0: I went on a bit in my introduction to the last episode. Richard Dawson does that to me, and I can only apologise. This week, I'll try to be brief. Temporary Fandoms is a service for people who like to take a deep dive into music, either to celebrate the music they already know and love, or to explore less familiar records in the hope of unearthing gems. That service takes the form of a podcast, which you're listening to now, and the Facebook group which spawned it, which you'll find at facebook.com groups tempfans. At tempfans.com, you'll find this and all the previous episodes we've recorded, and if you dig a little deeper into the show notes, there you'll find a link to a special Spotify playlist edition of the show that edits our talk together with the music under discussion. If you're joining us for the first time, I should mention that this is the second instalment of a two-part journey through the records of Richard Dawson. So, for the full experience, I recommend jumping back in an episode. And if you're all up to date, let's press on. As we rejoin our guests to complete the experience that is Richard Dawson and Hain Ogle.
1: Hello there, welcome to Temporary Fandoms, and well, I mean, if this is your first ever listen, please at least go back to the previous one, because this one will make less sense. But really, go to tempfans.com and find all of our older stuff. I'm Ewan. I'm Nick. And we are rejoined um, by host of my teenage band podcast, Nick Taylor. Hello, Nick. Hello, great to be here. And pod regular and amazing backup singer, even though she doesn't really like to blow her own trumpet, Zoe Von Hess.
2: Hiya. How are you?
1: Fantastic. And we are continuing with the work of, I got a bit worried when we were planning this. I was like, am I going to have to say the word Geordie? Is he from Newcastle or is he from one of the places near Newcastle? That... But he's actually it's a Geordie. Geordie, right? Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Geordie musician, storyteller, troubadour, bard, how experimentalist uh, Richard Dawson, or oh, as I've discovered, the Daniel Kitson of of modern of modern music. Um, in the last episode, we looked at the first four of his. Well, I'm going to say solo solo albums, um, because that might change a little bit in this episode. Um, we didn't really cover it in the last episode, but we'll do that now. Zoe, what are we going through? in this episode
2: okay we're gonna kick off with peasant which is you know such a great way to start then we're gonna do magic, which is Hair um and it's pronounced hen not hen uh but also i'm also not very good at pronouncing it so i'm doing my very best as well and then we've got uh 2020 and we're going to finish off with three humans which is also hern ogled. brilliant so yeah this is a, a
1: total change of place and we're going to be Jumping back and forward between the two things. Um, Like with the last episode, we are still playing around with format. uh, So we'll be sort of splitting the conversation halfway through. But without further ado, we're going to get cracking. And we're going to hand you over to Zoe after this.
2: Album 5, Peasant, released in 2017 on Weird World. Ah, here we are. At the point where I feel it all comes together. The songwriting, the melodies, the production, the concept. For it is a concept album, in the best possible sense. It would be very easy to call this one a modern folk album. It is and it isn't. It certainly doesn't sound like any folk album I've ever heard. This is where I start to use words like visionary and genius. Is it relevant to mention that Richard Dawson has a genetic eye condition, which means his actual vision is distorted? Peasant, an album of tales and parables set in the kingdom of Brené, around the 400s to the 600s. It's as quaint and quirky as it sounds, but it's so much more than just a folk horror curiosity. The fuller sound on this one is down to having a seven-person chorus, along with Rodri and his harps, plus violin from Ankara Davis. I'm certainly one of those people who's used folk as a pejorative term. So why does this get a pass? Well, because it's superficially folk, but when you get past that, you realise that it's so much more. It's a layered and intricate masterpiece of songwriting, articulating universal truths beautifully and plainly encapsulating the humanity, the struggle of people, in all places, at all times. And it's always just the right side of experimental to never just be folk music. A lot of people have heard this one because it was critically acclaimed at the time by a lot of the usual tastemakers. I actually came around to Peasant much later than most. My husband played it one Sunday when we were catching up with household chores. I remember hearing Ogre and thinking, Bloody hell, I can't decide if I like this or hate it. It was probably a full six to 12 months later after the, when the sun is dying, choral refrain from Ogre went round my head for the millionth time that I went and sought it out. And that was that. I've subsequently spent literally years obsessing over some of the songs on this album. I keep coming back to Ogre and Beggar. This record has caused arguments in our house about the best track, squabbling over the fate of the protagonist in Soldier. He dies. It's a tragedy. No, he fucking doesn't. He goes AWOL. It's hopeful. We even bought it on vinyl, even though we didn't have a record player at the time. The whole thing is just a great work of art. So what does Richard Dawson have to say about folk music? I don't really know a great deal about folk music. I mean, I've been listening to folk music, but more from all around. I like a lot of African and Indian music. I never really listened to English folk music that much. Maybe a few years ago, Kath and Phil Tyler, hearing them and then getting a bit interested and learning a few songs. I'm a real layman, which is funny when people ask me about folk music because I know only a tiny bit. I know much more about Indian music or experimental music, which isn't much. And then he speaks about folk being for the layman. That's when you get it eventually, you go, Oh, this is alive. It's about sharing songs, and there being no weight of the self, just all about being part of something larger, part of a community. The singing group at the Cumberland Arms changed my perception, just hearing all kinds of singers, from the very accomplished, and I use that word very guardedly, to those who would struggle to hold a tune, but who invariably the better singers. They had amazing wobbly voices and cracks and were getting the words wrong but that was always the most fascinating stuff to hear in those sessions and always the most full of heart. I wonder if it's just to do with confidence. Why don't more people sing with their funny voices? It's a mystery. There's a guy who sings at the Cumberland called Joe and he's got a really round voice like little boulders. He's got this song he wrote about how much he loves cheese. He's a real beautiful guy, very gentle but tough as well. He doesn't take any shit. He sings this song, I'm a man who loves cheese, and it's so hard to even discern the words he's mumbling so much. It's the best. So if all this doesn't spark your curiosity, nothing will. Go on, stick on, peasant. Check it out. It's a bop. Album six, Magic, by Heer Nogleth, released in 2018 on Weird World. At this point, we're going to take a slight detour and take on another Richard Dawson project. After a record like Peasant, I feel we need a moment to regroup before moving on to his next album, 2020. And what better way to do that than with the more accessible, lightly experimental and electronic Mogic by Hrnoglæð. Hrnoglæð, which means the Old North in Welsh are Rodri Davis, Dawn Bothwell, Sally Pilkington, who is Richard's partner, and, of course, the man himself. There is a reason for sticking in a Hair and Ogleth album at this point. It shows the logical progression of ideas and evolution that takes us from an album like Peasant to the next one, 2020. But more of 2020 in a bit. From the opening track, Love Time Feel, you can see we're in the land of soundscapes and experimentation with Rodri's gentle vocals. And there is more vocal variety on this album, as Richard takes more of a back seat, mainly playing the bass, and vocal duties are also shared with Dawn and Sally. But his unmistakable influence is still felt, you can really hear that guitar style coming through, even though it's on the bass. Sky Burial is a sweet dream. And Problem Child brings the 80s soundtrack vibes without veering into pastiche. Tiny Witch Hunter has special standing in our household, being one of the only songs that every family member, ranging in ages from 7 to 48, likes and is willing to dance to. And I just love the spoken Welsh on Gwai reged or Heavy. It's an album of variety, and you might find it more immediate than Richard's solo work, especially when it comes to Tiny Witch Hunter, which is a bona fide wonky pop song.
1: Hello there, welcome back to Temporary Fandoms. You have been listening to Zuri Von Hess talk you through, uh, well, one album by Richard Dawson and one album by Henog Uh, I'm not even looking at the screen to see whether I pronounced that right. Um, and we are back still with, well, Nick and myself, are Nick, another Nick. Hello. And of course, Zoe Von Hess. Hello. Hello. So we're moving on, um, to what would be, I'd say we've got two of his solo albums, which might be considered to be his greatest two, his most important two solo albums. In in this episode, and the first one would be Peasant, which was released in twenty something something seventeen. Seventeen. Thank I'm you, very so much. I'm so glad um,
2: you didn't have said that because I would have to scroll through my notes to find out. Yeah, carry on. Um,
1: I know Nick looked at his phone to find out because I just heard a phone inter- in, in, interfering with the paper. Oh, oh, it was oh. someone. You got paper now? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I that's, that's, always print
1: ever notes. So professional. <laughs> I have a printer. Otherwise, I would. Uh, I used to write stuff down, and now I just have it on a little window on a.
2: Me too. I've got a window thing, but I prefer a pen. Actually, anyway.
1: Yeah. So peasant, when when they didn't have pens, <laughs> um, it, <laughs> that's a terrible segue. Um, <laughs> there have been many albums that we've already looked at in this ep- in these episodes, but also by other bands that have this sort of uh, telling stories of people's lives that are not contemporary, that are not current, um, whether or not they are based more fantastical, like the Decemberists' Hazard of Love, which is one of the best albums I've ever heard, but also the Decemberists' The Tane, which was a 14-minute uh, retelling of an Irish uh, traditional story. Um, and what we've got now is is something rather special, although I found it quite weird the first time I listened to it because very recently I just finished playing Kingdom Deliverance, Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is a game on the Xbox, which is basically like for those who who know, it's like Skyrim, where you it's like a a role playing game where you free roam, except it's based in a sort of medieval uh, Germany. And once you've got past the initial bit and escaping from a castle and learning how to pick up your sword and drop your sword and get screwed because you can't pick up your sword, you can go and do what you want. You can go and live in a village and be a blacksmith. You can go and be a bandit in the countryside. You can go and join the army, all of this stuff. And so listening to this album, which is a bunch of vignettes about people's lives back in the day, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like a soundtrack of my entire three weeks playing, playing this video game. Um, Zoe, can you tell us about this album a little bit, please? I mean, how did it come about? What, what did Richard say about this when he was making
2: it? it is a concept album so i think he's quite open about that is that he wanted to write something i think it's set in like 400 to 600 where he's from which is really nice so he sort of said hey this part of the world where i'm from i'm going to imagine the lives of everyday people in this time period and you know i i mean my first instincts are a bit oh god it's a bit medieval fair or or you know um medieval battle reenactment but it's so much more. I wanted to say, like, that is just surface. What that, that is the surface. And if you can get past that, you will get a lot out of this. So that was his concept. And each, each song has a type. The title is the person based, you know, the, the life of this person in that time and their story. And that's, you know, quite simple, really. There's not much more to that. However, he's an incredible writer. So he brings these stories to life so well, and you only get like a snippet of it. So what I think what's so clever about it is that you don't get enough to kind of finish the story always. So you want to know what happens next, but it's just a fucking song. It's not a book. It's not a novel. It's not even a short story. It's a song. So you end up like listening to these songs, getting what I do anyway, I don't know about anyone else, getting very involved kind of falling in love with the characters or or wanting to know more and then the song's over so I think that's one of the greatest things about this album plus it sounds it sounds incredible it sounds really different I mean I uh, we could talk about maybe the the percussion or the drums which I think are really interesting because there's no there's no snare you you don't get those like sharp snare sounds it's all very like it stamps and claps and it's very bassy and I think the drummer is using from what I can hear it's like kick drum and toms so it's got that kind of feel, but it doesn't go into that like medieval prestige thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So he's no, kind totally. of captured yeah. the sound, but done it in his own way. So, yeah, anyway, but I'd love to hear what everyone else no, does. I,
1: th- I think you 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 said something uh, just now about how it, because it's all set um, in his part of the world. Hmm. And uh, I don't know a lot about the northeast of England. I, I, I mean, I'm from the middle of England. I know it enough. But there's a line, I think, in Soldier about um, marching across the sea to the sunken monastery. Mm. And my brain went, oh, yeah, sunken. Well, monastery is Northumberland. Yeah, that's northeast. Because yeah. there's so much, uh, I, whether it's from tales of King Arthur or knowing about Northumberland or, or the northeast, it's either Cornwall or it's for the northeast. That's where you're going to get a monastery out on, bit, out on the peninsula, which is obviously what he's walking across. Yeah. And it's a tale of him being scared. Going to war, you hear, war, oh, my God, where's he going? Oh, he's probably going five miles down the road. There's probably 20 of them. We're going to fight another 20 people uh, out on the beach uh, in, a, in a battle that history has forgotten about. Yeah. He's having his fears. He's having his dinner. He's having his fears. He's thinking about tomorrow, and
2: he's also thinking, shit, shall we just fuck off and run off? Yeah, he's young. He's young, just, he's young we, isn't yeah. he? He's incredibly young and in love, and it's beautiful. What a beautiful song. I love that
1: song. No, it's amazing. Um, it, it's 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 it wouldn't be an easy sell to people. Listen to this. It's a song about peasants in the in the six hundreds um, and their lives and,
2: but, and the misery they went through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or is it? This is where I go. Or is it? Okay, but we'll come back to that anyway. I want I want to hear more of what everyone thinks of it before we go to the next um, point. Yeah, I, I mean, it? for for me,
1: I picked the tone of it. seemed I've watched a lot of Terry Gilliam movies. When I was growing up, and things like Jabberwocky would be how I pictured most of this, or you know, scenes in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the peasant scenes, oh. and the, the squalor—these bits are how I pick, how, how I envisaged a lot of, a lot of this. Not the actual stories yeah. and the comedy aspect, but this is how I the setting. It. Yeah. Now I want yeah, Terry yeah.
0: Gilliam and Richard Dawson to make a movie together. Can't imagine.
1: <laughs> it would end it would end up being animated. It'd be like Terry Gilliam would go, let's let's animate it. And then Fine. he'd be interviewed about something and he'd go, uh, all lives matter. And we'd be like, oh shit. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit yeah. of all lives Didn't matter I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. 25 yeah. years to make it. Was it was about it was about,
2: anyway. it was about um me hashtag me too. It was yeah. about me too. Yeah. yeah. I think he's mm. transphobic as well, so that yeah, he really weighed into help. that as well. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Damn. Damn. Don't wade. I've learned.
1: I'm over 40. Don't wade into things that you're really not sure about yet. There are things I'm not sure about, and I'm really trying to grasp. Yeah, and we have to you, learn. Things here and there. Yeah, we've got to learn I, and I'm change. A, I'm not going to have an opinion on this. <laughs> um, I'm going to bite my tongue and not have an opinion. Good idea. More people should um, do that. So, yeah. So, let's not get Terry Gilliam involved. That's, no, let's yeah. not. Okay.
2: Sorry, Terry. You're out. Damn. So,
1: Nick, Nick, apart from Terry Gilliam um, being not involved in this, uh, how did Peasant hit you when you first listened to it? Because I mean, it is as Zoe says, it's a concept album, or is it? But Um, How did this hit you as a sort of picture of medieval life? Which Nicky asking? The one who was talking about Terry Gilliam.
0: (laughs) Ah, you? Oh, the thing. Me? Okay. You want to know what I think? Well, I mean, on paper, it sounds so up its ass, doesn't it? And um, there's actually there's actually some words that, that Zoe yes, used in the Facebook group, um, which I, I wrote down because I loved it. You described it as, uh, well, you, you was explicitly saying it's not this. You said it's medieval cosplay whimsy.
1: And
0: I just, <laughs> but I love that. It's just, it's just such a fine like, little cluster of words there. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I want to spend a lot of time with this album because there's so much in it that I think I haven't found yet. Like I, I, lo- I mean, I'm, that sounds like, a, I, I mean, I, I love it, but the stories, I I, I kind of, I haven't got there with the stories. I haven't found my way into it. I, I'm kind of hearing it more at the kind of, I guess, the not a lyrics guy level, <laughs> where you're kind of just enjoying Which like, is the fine. soaring chorus of, uh, of, other, yeah. of course, it works at that level. Yeah. But, you know, you just feel like when you hear what's going on at a sort of deeper level you kind of want to get inside and explore those songs which is which is great you know it's an album that i feel like i'll you know i'll live with for a long time um but i guess looking at it in the sort of trajectory of the albums it's like something totally comes together on this album um even though it's it's still it's richard dawson so it's weird but it's also kind of six music friendly as well you know you can see these songs getting heavy airplay and um, i think they did i don't know i don't I actually some six music but i've heard the rumors <laughs> <laughs> um you know th- th- there's something really joyous about a lot of these songs as well which maybe hadn't come across to the same extent in earlier records like uh, i think it's shapeshifter he's doing the kind of guitar bashing thing that he does but in a kind of really uplifting happy way that it's quite extraordinary i think
1: so yeah i yeah, like it I, is what i was probably, <laughs> yeah, Shapeshifter was one. But um, also I, I remember one, I listened to this a lot as I was walking to the shop, uh, shop and back. Um, and I think, uh, was it prostitute? Um, hang on, I just need to look, yeah. Uh, there has to be more than this. Is there no reason for me to exist? But as a plaything of miscreants, malingerers, dastards and knaves. I remember listening to that line as I was walking through the town square and I go, oh, that's good. Oh, I like, and, but yeah. also not the fact that it was clever. But the fact that it totally took me into, into that into that scene, into that, you know, uh, it, it could have been a character talking in an episode, of, an early episode when it was good, of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, uh, you know it, it, was, it was written and not written as just a throwaway line in a song that rhymes. It was written as this mini- this You know what, I,
0: I'm pretty sure we had a discussion during the fall where um, I mentioned a lyric that used the word knaves and confidently stated that no one else ever used the word knaves in a pop song. So, so, so yeah, corrected, there you so go. corrected yeah.
2: exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mister Dawson. Mm. It would be um, him, though, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I also, I also think the Decemberists have as well. I, I do really? think that was no, a long history of knaves in pop. Almost definitely, I think I think hazards yeah. Of love, definitely has, definitely has mm. knaves in.
0: Let's do a special uh, spin-off episode on the word knaves in pop. Yeah,
1: that could be our bonus episode. <laughs> 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 Nick, to, teenage Nick. Um <laughs> as, oh. oh I wish. So I mean I I think I'm the only one who came to all of this new and afresh you knew Richard Dawson before uh we started putting together this where did you come in was it around about the peasant time or did you go back to it and how did you find peasant when you first heard it
3: Uh yeah no I think it was around the the peasant time um that I became really sort of aware of aware and enamored with the uh, uh, with Richard Dawson's music. I mean, this was, this was really kind of, we we, we talked in the last episode about how nothing important was the album where people, uh, people started to pay attention, but this was the album that really kind of broke through. It was the, it was the quietest album of the year. I'm pretty sure it was in the top 10 of the guardians album of the year that year. Um, So really mainstream press started to, uh, started to really uh, sing his praises. Um, And, and i think yeah like for me like coming into it um it was obviously like very kind of off kilter and not what i was expecting um when i when i read about a, a when you, when you read about places like the guardian describing this this slightly avant-garde folk artist who's written a concept album about medieval times you don't expect it to Oh, he sounds sounds as yeah. yeah you expect it to be kind of a slightly insufferable but also like not anywhere near even musically not anywhere near as kind of strange as as it is but but obviously it's it's still like one of his most um accessible albums um and I, i'm i'm in exactly the same place with nick really i think in terms of the lyrics even though you know ahead of this recording i, I did i i did try really hard to kind of to really take in all the lyrics for all of these albums. And this was the one that I kept having to kind of go back and be like, wait, what's actually, what's actually happening here? And like, what is this, what, what is this person about? And, and so there's so many levels to it. So uh, instinctively what I enjoyed about it in the, the, the the first uh, few times that I heard it was just the, uh, was the different musical touches, the, yeah, the, the use of, the use of the violin that, that gives it that sort of, earthy uh english folk um stuff but also the yeah the thing like shapeshifter the guitars kind of reminded me of like independence day by Elliott smith that's sort of like really kind of fast finger picky and like like very like a lot of kind of sliding along the fretboard kind of kind of thing um and uh uh and for ogre like the big sort of yeah. um glorious cho- chorus at the end um i kind of got. Uh, I kind of got a, a sense of, and I, I promise I mean this in the best possible way, early polyphonic spree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah. 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 People that, said that the first, in the group, actually. Yeah. They did. That's they polyphonic did, spree yeah. album. Yeah. I wrote down yeah. Suffy and Stevens, but for the same, yeah, for the same, exactly. reason, that sort yeah. of the chorus of, but yeah, polyphonic yeah. spree. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I love polyphonic spree, so do, please don't apologize for using it. <laughs> I think they're amazing. I, I'd,
3: I'd never know how much of a joke they're considered these days, but uh, <laughs> like, yeah was always a big fan. But
1: I think it's a good thing because there's also, in a weird concept of polyphonic spree. there are some amazing catchy tunes and catchy moments, mm. which is what we're getting from Richard at this point. And yeah. I think it's interesting that the two of you have talked about how lyrically it's hard to get into the story from first listen. But I think it's because, because first person and he's talking first person, and he, I think he improves on this storytelling in, in, a, in a later album. But I think he's telling first person. First, person, I don't say, I'm you and I'm a teacher of oh, English. I bet no, you do. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> he no, but I might be thinking, oh, my God, Fabio uh, Fabio's really struggling. Why is he struggling? That's, those are the words that's going through my head. Not this class is a nightmare. Uh, I can't, you know, I'm not expressing the full story. Um, the thoughts are coming out as a stream of consciousness as they're happening. And I think a lot of, the sto- lot of the little stories in these songs are coming out that way, that you have to piece it together. Mm.
2: And then you feel quite, quite proud of yourself because you've pieced it together. Zoe? So, so I, I, I also have to say that this me getting into Richard Dawson is probably the result of this album. And I didn't get into this album the first time I heard it. So maybe mm. I'm thinking that I might be more similar to the Knicks than I might think now obviously I'm fully on board, but I remember my husband playing it. I remember the first time I heard this because we don't really listen to a lot of music like this in our house. It's all very dance music based or electronic or we listen to what people call world music. So I'm listening to music from like India, Africa, whatever. So, and very little guitar music or indie, like ever. So I remember this really clearly and I didn't, I was like quite proud. I didn't want to ask my husband what it was because there's, you know, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of competition as to who's going to find the next most interesting bit of music. And I remember hearing Ogre, and I also remember thinking, like, I don't know if I love this or hate this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could sense, I, I felt that I, if, if, I, if I was being uncharitable, I might go the side of, like, this is wanky. This is just too much, but it got me. And so six months later, when I'm still in my head going, "When the sun," is, I'm going, "Hang on, I've got, to, I've got to go and find this song, and I've got to go and like work out what this is about." And at that point, that was when I went, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And of course, I had to go to my husband. Oh yeah, you were right. Really, really <laughs> good. Sorry. After about six that. months, of, yeah, after like six months of going, yeah, yeah, wh- whatever.
1: So, yeah. So, <laughs> well, well done for holding out for six months, though. Yeah, was, <laughs> I
2: swear to God, <laughs> it would have been
1: six months. I, I have very close friends whom I, who they'll try and recommend something, like something classic, you know, like whatever. And I'll be very dismissive. And they know that maybe five years later I will send them a message going, you're right, early Bob Dylan is good.
2: No, you're wrong, but yeah. I take
1: years. I take years. Before I go, I've still not sold, Craig, if you're listening, I'm still not sold on Neil Young. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Oh, bless.
1: That's why I'm still holding
0: out hope for Tago Tago (laughs) Mago.
2: That might happen one day. Whatever. (laughs) So the other thing I want to come back to is what we were saying when, or is it? Okay, so yeah, it's a concept album, and it's supposedly about people's lives, you know, far removed from ours, and uh, we're we're meant to sort of enter into their world and sort of understand what it was like for people you know unimaginable sort of time before us but then once you start to listen to the stories and listen to the lyrics you realize that these people are just same as us and you can apply a lot of their situations to things that we experience for example I think it's in Prostitute when they talk about how can it be that a child can be sold whatever and we you know we're, we're so superior in our kind of in our idea of our the Progress of our civilization and this shit's happening now. Nothing has changed. And it's the same. And I think Ogre is very much written in the sense of something really bad is happening in that village and it's taking, you know, I mean, the story of, uh, if you actually read the lyrics, it's an incredible description of, you know, uh, something in the village taking the children and murdering them. It's so gruesome and brilliant and eerie and evocative. And Obviously, they're blaming something supernatural, something other, something other than them. It's got to be something else, somebody who doesn't belong, when actually the reality is, and we all know from our modern perspective that it's probably someone in their community that is doing yeah. these evil, terrible things. And so, once again, these are like parables. They're, they're they're illustrations of how we always other people and make them the boogeyman or the bad guy when the reality is, is that we're all capable of, Evil and murder and, and so on and so forth, and yeah. and I Scient- think there's another one and soldier. You know, there are still soldier, people, yeah. young people who have to go out to war for like ridiculous reasons and lose their lives and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Scientists as do,
3: well that the uh, sort of the battle against kind of progress and yeah, sort of yeah, could faith and that kind of stuff, yeah.
1: and
2: you could relate yeah, that yeah. back to anti-vax and all that sort of stuff. So each mm.
1: each one. Yeah, it's, it's quite, I, I think there's amazing. a lot of this album that mirrors stuff in his next solo album, which we'll be talking about talking about in a bit. Okay, so um, Peasant is amazing, by the way. Listen to Peasant. Um, that's I'm talking to you at home, not the people here, because obviously we've all just said that. Anyway, we're going to move on and take a slight detour, um, and we're going to move on to Hen Ogleth, um, who are a band, which. Richard is is part of. And um, this was, is this their first album or first proper release? Because Te- there's a
2: bunch of other uh, stuff, right?
1: Technically, the,
2: there's another Hennogleth album, but I don't think um, Sally was part of it. And I think it was far more experimental. So this is like the first album as a sort of pop entity with Sally in it, as well as Dawn. I think that's right. So there yeah. was one more release. But it, it's. I think it's much more experimental and it's not as like, you know, like a a, a band. Is that right? And this is 2018's Modic. Indeed, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So, so, so So we're going from Peasant to this to kind of show what, I guess, what Richard Dawson was also doing at the same time, like in between Peasant and the next album, because it makes sense when you hear the next album, you're like, oh, okay.
1: He can do this as well, yeah. When I listen to this album, and I do genuinely like this album, um, it remind, it's it's a it's a cross between it's an exact cross between two other artists for me, and those artists are both very English in their way, and one is the band Tung, T U N N G, and one was the magical and no longer existing Bearsuit, who were an electro pop band from Norwich. Um, who did these sort of songs? Uh, I'm not even going to try and sing them, but they're basically a more than more of an upbeat version of this. And I think where those two bands meet is this, and I really like it. I really, really like it. I don't think it's it's, it's even close to being as as groundbreaking as some of the solo stuff because I think that it is a a, a very English electro pop sound. Um, and it's great, and, and it's really good fun. Um, Unfortunately, I just moved my phone away because I didn't want it to make a noise and interfere, but I I literally had my notes on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I will say, Tiny Witch Hunter is a great song. It's amazing. It's a really, really, really good song. Um, I will say that I fucking hate saxophones. Oh, It did did sort of jar a little bit for me. But if you like tongue, if you loved Suit, who I think now they split and one's called lady die and one of the bands is called mega emotion um norwich's finest apart from violet violet who have been on the show um (laughs) it it is there it perfectly it's a very english electro pop um downbeat but upbeat lovely little thing i mean i think it's lovely i think it's nice um i like those two things that's why i like this it doesn't break any ground uh, and be given looks from, from from nick nick our nick Okay. Well, no, no. I mean, I know you love this. I, think, do? I, yeah, love I this, so.
0: really, really like this album. Um, I, I kind of this was the one album I knew before we did the original Richard Dawson immersion. So I kind of I spent time with this album without really, and, and I kind of had some sense that they were maybe like a supergroup of sorts. I think I'd read a little bit about them, but didn't really know anything about where the disparate parts had come from. Still don't really, apart from Richard Dawson, if I'm honest. But um, it's just it, I think taken next to Richard Dawson, it's just such a. It's lovely to hear him do it seems weird to describe it as pure pop, but it kind of is. It's, 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 it's got the weird shit going on. Like, you know, I mean, tiny witch hunter is such a good song. Yeah. Um, yes. but, right. there's a, but then you've got strikes like welcome to hell, which is, just, is insane. Almost like, um, I don't know, electro pop thrash metal. <laughs> it's bizarre, but I love it. I, re, I I like the whole, it's the vibe of the album as a whole. Something about it really speaks to me. Um, it's obviously in a way that's different to the Richard Dawson albums, but it feels like a companion piece. It works together with those for me. It's fun. Yeah. Richard it Dawson, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: like yeah, that. it's
2: really
1: fun. No, one hundred percent. Other Nick, I don't have a seamless segue between the two of you. So, other Nick,
2: yeah, uh,
3: I um, yeah, I I agree. Um, I think um, I really I really enjoyed the moments that, as well as Tiny Witch Hunter, I enjoyed the moments that were proper kind of. A bit more kind of post-punk like uh, tracks, like Problem Child, um, and then I mean uh, the gorgeous final track, Ethereal Treda, I think is the. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, just this, yeah, this really kind of ethereal, uh, this really ethereal piece that just sort of that has a really kind of doesn't really resolve itself as well, and it's just and it really kind of leaves you wanting more. Um, In a weird way, it kind of reminded me. Of the very first uh, Gorillaz album, to talk about another like supergroup, like it, the more kind of the the sort of dubby moments of that of of that album, um, and just and and a sense and a sense of an artist who's really well who's really well known for one thing, kind of trying to kind of find like find his find his feet in in something that's a bit more, that's a bit more freeing, um, but also allows you to, that, uh, that's allowing him to jump from genre to genre kind of seamlessly. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's really strong. I mean, we'll get onto it later. I preferred, I prefer the second Elglet album. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I do, but I I really like magic. I think it's great. Really great fun.
1: Yeah. I think it is fun though. Um, uh, I don't, I, I think it's because there are, I think like I said, it's a very there's a very English electro, not even just electro pop, I think electro funk pop. No, folk folk pop. There's it, an electro folk pop sound that I've heard in various different places. Um this follows that tradition quite nicely. Um and it's it's a great album. It just doesn't it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't break any any boundaries for me, but maybe, maybe between Peasant and the next Richard Dawson album, we needed this power hmm. to find the sort
2: of uh, thing is a break. Zoe. Um, yeah, I also wanted to mention the use of, well, not the use of, but the um, the regional accents that people are singing yes. in, with, mm. with obviously with Richard himself, he's always done that. Well, he hasn't always done that, not on the first nope. album, but he's obviously found that that works better, which it definitely does. Um, I mean, why do people sing in an American accent? Like, you know, you hear people talk and then you hear them singing, like, what? the hell why I, I guess I mean I do understand why where it comes from but I feel like we're kind of past that now We, you know I, I want to hear people singing in their own I accent. mean but do do people
1: all do all people naturally would, would all people naturally sing in their own accent um I, or does it depend on the style of music I mean I'm from the West Midlands and the bands I listened to when I was growing up would have been the wonder stuff populate yourself and their atomic dustbin Pop beneath itself. I could hear the West Midlands accent. The Wonder stuff, which were more songy songs, it just sounded like a a standard person singing. You know, like I think sometimes, like is there any much difference between some Scottish bands who don't particularly sound Scottish and the Proclaimers? Have one of them chosen to up Scottish up their their sound, or have one chosen to soften the sound? Or sometimes I think. It is accidental, you know? Well, they're saying that Arctic Monkeys did sound a lot more Yorkshire before they moved to America, so.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, any, anyway.
1: Sorry. No, on the accent, I, I, I was going to comment a lot on, on the next album, I think, because I kept find, finding myself saying things, and it's a bit of a spoiler for after the break, they things like, be a blocker. <laughs> Uh, I was going, oh, brilliant! That's lovely. Oh. Uh, yes. I'm really sorry for anybody from the northeast. Um, feel free. I'm from Wolverhampton. Like, I mean, come on, my accent's usually terrible.
2: <laughs> so yeah, there's quite as well as the regional accents on this. There's quite a Welsh influence too, because of Rodri, Um and some of and that will come up again in Free Humans that some of the titles are actually Welsh words. And of course, Henoigleth means the old north, and there is a connection between the people in the north and and people in Wales. Um, and I think uh, Richard has talked about this, is that he feels that, you know, he's worked with Rodri and there's a kindred spirit. And I think even in Problem Child, it's like one of the lyrics is like, they're dry, I can't remember exactly what it says, but I can see whales. So to me, like this, for me, it's very, it's kind of personal because I'm from Wales. I was born in Wales. My dad was Welsh. And, you know, I grew up with big burly men belting out songs. And I think there's something in in Richard Dawson that, makes me kind of it's familiar it's incredibly familiar and I I love those regional areas that I feel like you know sometimes the music scene is very London centric and it's very much kind of not looking down on people from you know I think Manchester is an exception they've got their own scene and of course Liverpool with the Beatles but these these accents hearing them it just brings me joy and I love that Rodri he sings a bit on this and he says "Yearworm." worm instead of earworm, which I just I just love it. And it it really there's something really fun, really lovely, but kind of like they're they're doing something different there. You know, and we've got, of course, we've got electric harp. I mean, how many pop records have got electric harp on them? Not many, I'd say. So they're really, you know, even though it's light and fun, they're doing other things. And you of course you can hear the Richard Dawson influence, because he's playing the bass and you can hear his Guitar inflections, or whatever you call them, I don't know yeah, the technical totally. term. So, I don't know, can he play guitar? I think, I think he's proved totally that he can. probably <laughs> yeah. really quite can by now. What do you reckon? Can uh, he play? Can he play
1: guitar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my question before was that was my initial thought when I was first hearing it is oh, like, you know, like I, I made a reference briefly to Daniel Johnston, there's moments in the early stuff I'm like, oh, is he has he got some great songs in him despite himself? And it can take a while to understand what, yeah. what, what's going on Absolutely, in Absolutely, um, yeah. Before we move on to the next album, I just want to just go back to the whole point about the non-London-centric thing. And also because I've decided this might be a running motif of things I try, as much as Nick tries to shoehorn Tago Mago into every episode. Um, <laughs> Slade, the band Slade, who, by the way, had the m- most number one uh, top 10 singles in the UK in the 1970s for a British band. So, you know, they weren't that. They weren't all one song the one thing I love about them is their song titles are written in phonetic black country Wolverhampton accent. Mm-hmm. So whether it's not just Mama, we're all crazy now, but if you look at all, you know, because I love you, is spelled as it yeah. would be pronounced. So oh Lord, bye because I love you. And it's written as that. And they became incredibly successful despite doing this or because they did this. I don't know. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think they, they're having this sort of, I mean, I might not like music from a certain area or I might find certain accents great on me, but I'd rather they were in that accent and in that area uh and and sound but bands from Manchester sound like they are bands from Manchester, and I'm not just talking about early nineteen yeah, nineties there is a there is a a music tradition there um, bands from Liverpool often because of the shadow of the Beatles, sounded a bit Beatles-y because they're they're their local local bands but yeah i i I do think there's definitely something to be said about. Um, regionalism coming, coming, coming to the forefront um, we're going we're to jump over to uh, the final two albums and I'm going to hand you back over to Zoe um, well right now Album 7
2: 2020 released in 2019 on Domino Richard says 2020 isn't political it's personal it's linked to peasant maybe it's the same record and maybe the next one will be the same again this record the follow-up to peasant might not be what you expect 2020 was released in 2019 and presumably was written before that although there's nothing on this record that predicted how the year 2020 would actually go down it certainly captured the mood neuroses natural disasters and personal failure all feature i'm reliably told that this album was played a lot on bbc6 so if you're based in the uk you may well have heard tracks from this trust me when i say that it works best as a complete listen it's a proper album an album with a great song about football no really i mean it a song about a pub flooding again With Heart Emoji, we get the world's best song about stepping on a slug in the kitchen in the middle of the night, possibly the most British thing ever committed to record. Aside from that, there are riffs and hooks and sing-along choruses, but as with everything that Richard does, it's a bit askew, which is just the way I like it. The writing on this, like peasant, is literary in the sense that I feel I'm hearing a short story in song form, often leaving me wanting to know what happened next. How does he do that in the form of a song? Like a great film that leaves you thinking about it for the next week, or a book that you don't want to end, some of these songs show real mastery of songwriting. It's precise, evocative, and not a word is wasted. It's not just the quality of the writing. When delivered with such conviction, it's easy to forget that the material isn't autobiographical. Many listeners have been fooled by this. Case in point, Richard Dawson says, I was quite startled as, after Jogging was released, People were trying to find out where to send me sponsorship money for the London Marathon. I don't jog. So these tunes aren't necessarily drawn from deeply personal experiences. They're just stories told through song. And interestingly, Richard has also said that a lot of assumptions are made about the gender of the characters featured in the narrative. Listen for yourself and see how you interpret them. The songs are full of contemporary UK references, which is quite brave. This sort of thing can date a record even before it's been released. On the other hand, it can provide an accurate and realistic document of our times. I've been out of the UK over 10 years now, but it sounds about right. If you're a too-long-didn't-read type person and only want to dip into this one, I wouldn't direct you to the hit jogging, although it is great. I would tell you to check out The Queen's Head and Black Triangle instead. But you're going to listen to the whole thing, aren't you? In all its modern, proggy glory. Oh, didn't I mention that this one isn't very folky? Sometimes I do feel attacked by the relatable content on this album. But then, it's done in such a loving way that I don't find it sneering. It's not punching down. There's a sense that he's speaking for people. People like you and me vocalising the joy and the dread in the minutiae of everyday life, and with humour throughout. I'm sure we'll get into some of the lyrics from this album in the group chat, so do stick around for that. Album 8, Free Humans by Hen Ogleth, released in 2020 on Weird World. Our final album is Free Humans. It's by Hen Ogleth. Dominic Haley from Loud and Quiet had this to say about it. Simply put, if Free Humans was a film, then it'd be The Goonies, directed by Werner Herzog. It's a surreal, heartwarming adventure through the hedges and hedgerows of Britain's musical fringes, an absolute masterpiece. You've had a taste of Herr with Mogic, so you know what to expect. I'd say that this is a more cohesive album as a whole. There's no tiny witch hunter, but there is trouble, earworm, Kibran Gospel Gossip, Time Party and Space Golf, delivering solid pop quirk. This is a party I'd like to go to. Remember parties? I love Mogic and Free Humans, but while Mogic is wistful and amorphous, almost, Free Humans is concentrated and solid. Both are excellent. Always conscious, self-aware and devoted to the song, woven through all of the albums we've covered is a sense of giving, a creative generosity if you like. Richard Dawson doesn't seem content with being adequate but doesn't reject the power of good pop music either. I trust you have opened yourself up to receiving the gifts on offer. He's quite the artist and time will tell if he's recognised as such outside of the fringes where he attracts people like me and hopefully you.
1: Hello uh, there, welcome back to the final part of our two episodes of Richard Dawson. And we're going to get cracking with nine, 2019's 2020. Um, I bought this on Bandcamp last week. This is one of the best albums I've heard in years. This is a fucking masterpiece. I mean, seriously. Um, yeah, this it is it's so an good. Absolute fucking masterpiece. Um, I have fallen for some albums on other episodes we've done. I mean, there's a couple of Slater Kinney ones that really blew me away, but this blew me away to the point that I I drunkenly tried to make my wife sit down and listen to various songs yesterday. Listen to this, listen to this. Exactly. It's really good, but I'm I'm, I'm quite busy. I'm like, no, 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 no. You've got five minutes. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Um,
2: It really is that kind of album. I totally agree. It's the kind of album where you want other people to go, this is fucking brilliant, Right. This is brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, carry on, and that re- remind me to read the quote because it's really relevant to this. I stopped dead
1: in the street. I was walking through the street, as I think I said in the previous episode. I had my headphones on, and there was a line about um, you were giving me a bollocking for we po- were giving me a bollocking for, for pouring, pouring a Guinness wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I inst- and and the context of the rest of that the line, the rest of that verse, I I, I pictured it all, one hundred percent. Yeah, and and while on. And there are some songs that might seem, uh, at a face value on a shallow level to remind me of other things. Um, for example, uh, "Civil Servant" on a face value reminded me a lot of Simple Kids' "The Commuter." Um, if, you, if you know Simple Kid, uh, uh, I say band. One guy from Ireland did a couple of did a couple of albums, and there was a song about being a commuter, going into the office, hating his job, coming home, getting, taking drugs at the weekend, going to work, having a... and there's one bit, in the job is like. I said to my boss, go fuck yourself. And like, there's just this moment where he's like, I've had enough. Yeah. And on, a face, on face value, this reminded me of that. And then I listened to it again and realized why he hated his job. And I realized what his job was. And then all of it came crashing, sort of came crashing down. I mean, I mentioned in the previous episode, Daniel Kitson. This is the most Daniel Kitson um, uh, the album. On the idea, stop fannying around. Is a is a line that I'm sure Daniel Kitson would would say about his dad telling him with sport. You know, it's, yeah. this album is yeah. brilliant from start to finish. I have paid for, I have bought a copy with my own money, and wow. um, it, it's yeah, it's fucking great. Well done. Talk amongst yourselves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also bought a copy of it. I bought it on vinyl, and I didn't have a record player, so that's how much I loved it at the time. Yeah, when I first heard it actually i think it soundtrack one of my christmases um so that must oh, be that's that sounds <laughs> depressing yeah, that, that would that was so much fun for my kids and my husband while you know mummy gets drunk in the corner going i don't wanna go back you know, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was memorable we're always going to remember that christmas that's for sure but but i think that's it it is catchy
1: I yeah. think just the fact I don't want to go back to work this morning, followed by the line I just want to something. I just want to stay at home and play the new Call of Duty. Exactly, yeah. Which is yeah. which is half mumbled and so silent. Yeah. And then you pick up a and and also what other album would have a song where where the chorus is man on man on? Yeah, uh, which yeah. Which is basically the, shat, the the sound of of people who don't know about football standing next to a football pitch just shouting. Uh, someone's coming! I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> But then you've also got the heartbreak of like fulfillment center, yes. uh, which, which is what, 10 minutes long? Yeah. And there's not a second wasted. You need that 10 minutes because it does feel like you are working in a fucking fulfillment center. You, you really want a piss and you can't go for a piss because your quota is going to be destroyed. Um, I, I'm going to just rant for a bit. There's also there's also a, a song which starts with um, seeing a fucking a phone turn on in the middle of the night with the light of a spider's web, realizing your lover's having an affair Having brief homicidal thoughts and then treading in a slug. Yeah, stepping on a slug. <laughs> 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 yeah. on a slug.
2: I mean, we horror the horror. We've all oh, been there, God. right? <laughs> oh
3: yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, that exact thing. Yeah.
0: If <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you've lived um, in a home in England, you've stepped on a slug. Exactly.
2: Yeah. In the night, I never. Yeah.
1: The worst is I never stepped on a slug. However, when I woke up in the morning, this one flat we lived in, ground floor flat in Wolverhampton, had I would always see trails. I never Uh, stepped on one. And I always went to the toilet in the middle of the night barefoot without thinking. But there were always trails there in the morning. I was like, just in the end, I just poured so much salt down the skirting board that they ended up. Not being able to get in.
2: There's probably um, people this, there's probably people listening who don't know what this is because slugs aren't everywhere. We don't have slugs. No. Where I'm snails living. without a shell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You have so slugs. Imagine a snail.
1: Take off the snail. Take off the shell. But I've never encountered one inside a house
0: in Hungary. <laughs> is, no, you that's know, right. They're strictly yeah. outdoor okay. creatures. Yeah. yeah. That's why I moved here. Had enough of the slugs. <laughs> Too many fucking slugs <laughs> in England. <laughs>
1: Yeah, slugs are particularly horrible because you just you find, a, you find a trail on the wall and you're like, oh. Yeah. that's, oh, that's mm,
3: not
1: good. No. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, every single story in here is a wonderful little vignette. Um, even jogging, first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's great. And so he takes up jogging. And he's like, oh wait. And he's getting, he's feeling, he's getting anxiety. Oh, is he, oh, I think he's overweight. He's got problems with his weight. Um his doctor puts him on beat up blockers. Um he's convinced he's convinced that a busker slipped a nasty word into a version of wonder wall as he was walking. Past. <laughs> but then it segues into this sort of, he, he starts. he realizes he's also singing about how people are a bit shitty around there these days. And everyone's a bit angry and sour. Yeah. And also the plight of the local uh, Kurdish Kurdish family. Yeah. Mm. And you realize yeah. it all comes together in one story. I was yeah. like, well done, yeah. mate. Yeah. Matt. I, I don't, and the th- thing, last week was the first time I heard it,
2: so
0: it's yeah. brilliant. But I mean, I guess we were talking about, like, with, with Peasant and sort of getting to, the this, this, this sort of stories do slowly reveal themselves to you. So first listen, they're just, you know, the songs are great, just in their own right, without you necessarily picking up all the detail. But the more you listen, I just pick up different things in every song, every time, and, and it's so yeah. rich. Such a good album. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, the Queen's Head, I think, is one of my personal favourites. That, that whole story, you know, the Humber's burst its banks again.
1: Oh, but, and also, yeah, I mean, just the fact that the, the whole neighbourhood comes out. Brilliant, thanks. Um, and obviously, like, the butchers handing out black pudding and sausages to people, doing a bit of business, and also starts blaming immigration. Yes, I could picture it. I yeah, could picture totally. it, and I could picture the person going, oh, God, blaming immigrants again, and sort of running past. And it is. The idea of a pub beer garden being flooded, I think in your introduction, Zoe, you mentioned, it's one of the most in- modern English tales.
2: Well, they all people are.
1: in the are. Yeah. Yeah. People in the UK would, would, would go, oh, yeah. You say to someone in America, yeah, it's a big thing. a river, It's full of the bad pub garden. They're like, huh? Why would you live next to a river that floods its banks? But in, every year, there's pictures of some guy going, wait, hey, I'm having my pint, while sitting in a beer garden, at, at, usually in the north, because obviously when it gets down south, the government does something about it. Um, <laughs> um, Nick, teenage Nick. Um, so you already knew Richard Dawson at this point. You, you, you had some idea of what to expect. Um, moving from peasant to 2020, I mean, I mean, for me, it was a, it was a leap from good to something something special. But how how was it for you?
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, for everything that um, everyone's been saying about how uh, how wonderful ly- lyrically the whole thing is, I actually think that there's a certain playfulness to the to the music of it as well that I just absolutely fell in love with. And I think for something like jogging, for example, maybe I'm reading far too much into this, but the way I saw the the way the music was written, you've got this um uh you've got this sort of uh chugging, you've got this sort of chugging guitar that is that is to me was sort of ri- um, mimicking the rhythm of the rhythm of running. Um but also a tiger. The, yeah exactly yeah but also the sort of the 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 interruptions of these stabs of these almost kind of big heavy metal moments uh, which are sort of representing the anxiety of the character as well so and just there's something really interesting about yeah about using having that sort of having that sort of chugging rhythm but making it almost sound like a metallica song that is just kind of you're capturing you're capturing the 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 all the like overwhelming feelings in this character's head and i just thought that was amazing unless he didn't mean any of that in which case,
1: <laughs> it right. doesn't
3: Fine. matter
0: if you meant well, it or
1: not, it's there, well, it's there. Well
3: done for making me think that, I guess. Um, but also just, yeah, in, um, uh, you know, in Fulfillment Center, I also thought that there was a sort of a motoric kind of overwhelming, like repetition in the rhythm that, that to me, like me somehow managed to really capture the, the mundane kind of robotic lifestyle that you are forced to that you are forced to live if you if if you have that job. That seemed to be captured in the music as well. Um and um and the way the and, and the way the album culminates in this really uh this really joyful uh this really joyful sing along chorus in a final song about a a homeless man who gets who who you know gets kicked to shit by like by hooligans in an alleyway. Um
2: football dicks.
3: I mean it's just yeah.
2: I
1: think, I think that's a good point as well because one thing this reminded of me, not so much in terms of music style or even the actual lyrics, but in terms of uh, lyrical focus, uh, the content, that the, the targets, the subjects, the subjects is the word I'm looking for, was Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Because Carter USM had songs about homeless men being set fire to, or black soldiers or sorry, soldiers of color being abused in the army, or landlords charging too much rent you know the minutia of life in a sort of indie rock indie rock song and that choice of targets i would imagine if carter was still i imagine jim bob who's still writing stuff he might write songs about workers in performance and mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. think there, there is you know this sort of subject has been done by people before but maybe i don't know not to this level maybe
0: yeah. It's just, again, it's his, it's his skill as a writer as much as like, I mean, obviously there's so much coming together with the music as well, but but he's such a good writer.
1: And he, keeps you, he catches you off guard because I'm like, oh, I know how this this song this line's going to be sung. I know when it's going to go up and when it's going go down. And, oh, uh, uh, nope. <laughs> Those last two words came out in a totally different place than mm. what I was expecting.
2: Yeah, he's, he's always unpredictable in that sense. And I, I think, like, I'm trying to remember when we sort of, had this in the group there's a lot going on for me at that time it was quite intense um but i remember this album and people kind of dismissing it as being like a sort of amdra musical type thing and i I think yeah and i think on the surface you well no well you know if that's what they hear then that's what they hear but to me it's just really great art and um i think he's done that deliberately he's trying to cloak these incredibly like difficult subjects because you know it's layered it's 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 thing after thing after thing so let's the queen's head which i absolutely love you know it's a family and and the reason why they're not in their pub is that one of their parents has got dementia now as a middle-aged person i can totally relate to that like the maltesers go on the floor and they can't explain why they've got to go because the mum is in the later stages stages of dementia and can't understand and it's like how do you pack all of that into a pop song you know it's it's just one line
3: yeah and that's just one line exactly
2: and and so he's making great art and he's packaged it in this thing that's very radio friendly. And, you know, literally people singing along, like, like uh, Nick too said, you know, people singing this sing along chorus about a homeless person. That's fucking clever. You know, he's bringing these like really serious issues. And, and if you weren't to know, if you perhaps weren't listening too closely, you sing along to this like rock song, this Metallica song, this, you know, this proggy rock song, you're actually singing, you know, lyrics about, like fulfillment centers so i
1: think there's all i think i think there's all i mean even if you go into a sort of big a lot of people have created sing-along moments that have been adopted by people not knowing what they're about Mm. uh bruce springsteen born in the usa would be one example or underworld's born slippy you know the amount of people drinking go i like vodka you know or lager 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 no it's it's not about that um but yeah, I th- I think I mean I think that's it. There's there's these amazing little pop moments in there. There's some throwaway lines, um, but for me, it's the details. Yeah. So it's that. not just I I used to work at this school and now you know I used to work at this school, uh, and there's a name of a school. Yeah. Or uh, in um, when they're talking with, uh, 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 when he's talking about uh, thinking about a game of football, it's the full name of the other side.
2: King's and Priory. Kicking, yeah, King's Priory. Kicking the lumps out of us. us. The out out of us. <laughs> 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 See? Little we all know moments it. of detail.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can picture, like I said in, in the previous episode, I'm terrible at picturing stuff. And it, I mean, that sort of way. And apparently it's a thing, You know, if, like I said, if I'm reading a book. Uh, it, when I read The Martian, it was brilliant because I could just picture Matt Damon doing it. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, but I struggle to have a, a, an actual pictorial representation in my head I represent it in a different way, which is fine. But all of these, because I know the scene so well, yeah. instantly flash into my head. Yeah. Even
3: you can totally you know, see it all, can't you? Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I... I love the... Sorry. Sorry. Sorry
2: go no, on. go ahead. No, really. I'm going just... to read this quote, though. Yeah. Don't let me forget, because I sure. have to. Go ahead.
3: I, the, the image in Freshers' Ball of the, the parent who drops their child off at uni and then goes home and switches match of the day on and they just sort of sit back and they're like, well, what, what now? Like, yeah. It's just, it's so, it's so heartbreaking in its mundanity but mm. yeah, I just find that really powerful.
2: Yeah. And they go out for a fag in the garden after, don't they? And then they kind of drift off and have a weird dream and then get up and go and play some Five Aside. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's really good. And that's just one song once again, or that's just like the, the the tail end of the song so the quote i want to read is from i think uh, it's from the quietest and it's johnny lamb writing and it's just a tiny little thing it's basically his introduction and he says about this album 2020 is the sixth album from the much lauded eccentric songwriter strangely i feel i can introduce the nature of dawson by relating it by relating a brief text conversation i had with my father a couple of weeks ago he texted me he never texts me to say simply that had I heard of Richard Dawson and was he a genius? I replied that I had and that he might be. He then texted back this illuminating sentence. I thought so, but I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> right? So this is yeah. what Richard Dawson does. He like yeah. he's kind of mundane in his brilliance. Like you're not quite sure, can he play guitar or can he not play guitar? Is this yeah. good or is this not good? good I, I don't know. Is it good? Yeah, it's really fucking
0: good. But also, I mean, we we don't we you know we haven't been great at doing many artists who are contemporary and still producing stuff. I mean, you know, we we try and on this podcast do complete discographies. I'm hoping we're not even halfway yet with this guy. Yeah, me too. I well,
3: know. No. I mean, we haven't talked about the like the daily like ambient EPs that he, him and his partner been putting out throughout the last year that's right
2: (laughs) we couldn't include that there'd just be too much stuff and he's got other projects he's got eyeballs which is his other ambient sort of noise project and he's involved in other things too so you know like when we sort of talk about hair and oglet that's not like he's doing other things there's always something going Mm -hmm. on so hopefully we'll
1: and obviously we'll we'll try and include as many links as we can in the episode description to all the various things, but really, as a listener, you're going to have to try and just find this stuff. I mean, I'm half expecting in a year or two's time, there's going to be a stage show. He, he's got, he's, he's, there's a musical that he's going to write at some point that's going to go to Edinburgh or, or the Manchester Arts Festival uh, maybe, yeah. or, or whatever yeah. and, and to- totally knock, knock it out the park. Um, I don't get, think we have it. Is polymath the right word? I don't think we have it. Often you get people come through who are in a band and then they go off and do something? You know, oh, you've got more facets about you. Um, uh, on a commercial level, I think Damon Albarn, you know, went, wrote a wrote journey to the west, Gorillas, Blur, blah blah blah. It's like, oh, you can go and do this and then come back and do your thing. I think we're watching, witnessing, um this happen again. Yeah, maybe on a less commercial level, although the hooks are definitely there. You know, there they are there are some hooks that Guy Garvey would be proud of, and Guy Garvey likes a good sing along hook.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he be eventually be. accidentally writes a massive crossover pop hit. You know, one yeah. that's like not just not just six music. Like it would be like the whole country would be singing it, and we'll hate it. And then, and then it'll take another ten years for us to come back and say, "No, that song was genius."
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I'm just, I mean, considering when we're recording this, uh, and and just for clarity, tonight is the the final of the European uh, Championships. I have in my head that he's going to write the best football. He already has anthem. He has two he bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really oh, good that's one. enough. Yeah. He, but but what, like, people go on about how um, uh, Three Lions is actually quite a sad song. It's about people going, oh, God. And like this sort of fake false hope and dreams being crashed. I've got this image in my head that if anybody could write a song that purely encapsulates the, the heartbreak and mundanity and life of somebody watching a game of football, but also probably mingling it with so many other facets of modern yeah, life that's the thing isn't it and people will sing along and not realize and they're singing along about i don't know somebody who domestically abuses his partner because england have lost but that would be the song with the chorus but there would be this line about this sort of this, this person underneath there um, you go. we've written his next gonna, album for him yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on um because because we are because we don't want to take too much of your time and. I, I mean, I sort of wish we were finishing on 2020 because it's so good. But we still have some good things to talk about, which is uh, the latest uh, album, um album, which I was so busy um, trying to make sure I pronounced that correctly. Uh, I thought Free Humans. That's cool. uh, Humans. I said before it's Tongue and Bear This is Tongue and Bear writing um, about Douglas Adams stuff. Basically, there's there's Douglas Adamsy bits. There's there's sci-fi comedy in here. There's sci-fi drama. There's 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 big problems with the world. There's little problems with the world. All wrapped up in this lovely electronica folk pop thing. um I think it's better than the last one, the last Hen Elgareth one. Um, I still think it, it it's it's nothing compared to 2020. But as a as a nice little, it's one of those bands I would go, oh yeah yeah, I put that in my thing, and I'll come back to it every so often. I'll put it in my little playlist with. Yeah, with some other stuff that sort of kicks around. Uh, Zoe, yes,
2: free,
1: free human or free humans?
2: Free humans. humans. I, I like this. Free humans. I really like this one. Um, I just realised it, it's earworm on this one, not on. Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, I got confused because yeah. like I was thinking about magic, but yeah, I think this one is more cohesive. Maybe because it's another concept album about sort of it's kind of like space pop, isn't it? And it's futuristic. Um, I love Magic, but I think this one works better as an album because it seems to be thematically stronger, and it hasn't got Tiny Witch Hunter on it. But it's got lots of really great tracks on it too. So it's got. Is um, this this one with trouble? Yeah, yeah. trouble. Yeah, with a capital yeah, yeah, yeah. T. Yeah. 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 And you're. I'm an Word. absolute it... sucker
3: for a pop song that may or may not be about a cat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so
3: it's going win me over.
1: <laughs> um, but, but I think that's it. I mean, there is a the sci fi stuff, but even like uh, the, the, the lines "A platinum club for psychopaths, draining the tank with dirty math, plundering all to guild the few. You built your ships and up you, fl- you flew infinity pool on Ganymede, uh, uh, space golf. Um, the idea of like these different arcs traveling out of a doomed planet is straight from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this idea that there's the rich one. Who have taken everything is again straight from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I just think it, I just think it, it's, it's spot on. Yeah. It's weird. Really, earworm, by the way. First time I heard it, I know that because there was an accident, I was standing in the shop and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Did he just sing Ewan
2: <laughs> <laughs> calling what? your name?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's great. It's catchy. It's lovely. It's great pop. Yeah,
2: great it's, pop. It's great pop. Yeah, fun pop. Mm. Love it.
1: Yeah, um, old Nick.
0: Well, uh, I mean, I. I didn't want it straight away as much as to magic for a long time i was convinced magic was the better album um but because i knew magic so well i've put more time into listening to free humans over the last week i think also just because it's very long a double album on on vinyl i guess um it's about it's over an hour it's
2: like 14 Um, tracks isn't it
0: yeah it's like yeah yeah, Yeah, 14 it's it's like 80 so i found that quite a few times i started it and then get to the end so i realized like um just a few days ago i hadn't really listened to the end very much and then i think I, i i had one of those moments yesterday where I just suddenly like, thought, oh, wow, this is this is amazing. And um, it was the... So, oh, yeah, it's one with a Welsh title. I don't know where to go with BWG. I think they, they shout oh, it in the song um, and say Begonog.
2: Yeah, that's it. Begonog. Begonog. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Yeah, and
2: it means bogeyman. It means like, you know, which is, you know, Brilliant. once again, back very, to very Ogre. Dawson. Yeah, very Dawson. Yeah. The themes are all there, which is nice. I like a recurring theme.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, th- so... A lot of great songs on there. I mean, I think the the, the obvious standouts have been mentioned: should trouble and I think earworm, such good tunes. I
2: quite like. Uh, is it space party as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry, time party. Time party. Time, party, time party. Yeah. Party.
0: yeah. yeah. Space golf and time party. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: space
3: golf time party. I really like um, Lotless Monsters' song as well, um, yes, which has this yeah. kind of driving beat that reminded me a little bit of uh, the uh, the the uh, uh, batida music, which is uh, that sort, which is a uh, uh, a type of uh, like electronic dance music, um, popular in Lisbon, um, that's, okay. uh, it, it, which has a lot of a uh, kind of African uh, uh, influences. Um, so yeah, that's what that kind of beat reminded me of. I thought it was yeah.
1: I, I think, I think oh, right cool. now is going electronic music, European African influences.
2: Send me the link. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so it well. Like, I'm <laughs> so predictable. I know. <laughs> Only because you mentioned you it's a
1: callback to earlier on um it's fine I, I think that's it i'm i'm gonna because we spent so long talking about uh um peasant and uh 2020 it's probably a good time to wrap up now that doesn't mean that anything that came after 2020 is not worth your time um uh that is not worth your time um before we do i'm gonna go to zoe because she's waving frantically at me because obviously i'm, I'm
2: Zoe, hello. I just have to <laughs> mention Republic of Geordieland. So there has been another release oh, after yeah. this. It's Span Camp only as far as I know. There's no physical product, um, but it's a mix of old and new tracks. And I would say definitely check it out. I, I think someone was telling me the other day, I don't think it was Ben Appleby. Ben Appleby is my, I have to give a shout out to him because he is my fellow uh, Richard Dawson enthusiast. And like, if we get together, together at a party, we <laughs> basically do what we just did. About twenty twenty and peasant and like spit in each other's faces, getting so excited about the songs.
1: Oh, I, th- so, I thought you were going to say that you, you you hijack the Spotify playlist and everybody goes, "What the fuck?" Is
2: this? <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> no, we're not that brave, but definitely um, check out Republic of Geordieland because I think there are tracks on there that you yeah. will love. We just didn't include it because you can't buy it as a product
1: in that. No, place. no, absolutely. Uh, we are going to include links to Bandcamp. Go and you know particularly there's a band camp Friday. I mean, that, that's really when you bike and the artists actually get like, but the, the, all the money rather than most of the money. Um, okay. We have spent two episodes um, looking through the solo work of Richard Dawson and his spin-off band, Hey and um, And hopefully you have stuck with us and been more than rewarded, um, particularly with 2020, because if that's not your favorite album of the last two days, then I don't really know who you are. Um, Thank you ever so much, Zoe, for all your hard work and passion and dedication, and welcome back to the
2: pod. Thank you so much. I love him so much. So it's been such a great opportunity to talk Richard Dawson for hours. Thank you. Um, Nick of My
1: Teenage Band. It's, it's myteenageband.com, right? There's not a fancy right. you there. Yeah. Myteenageband.com. Um, he's had some great guests uh, on talking about, well, their teenage band from uh, Mark Kermode to uh, Radio 6. DJ guy whose brain has just gone from Sean, Sean Keevenney. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing is my brain was going, yeah, and he's from I know where he's from, he's from the same place my mate's from. And he's a guy and he's got the same accent. Couldn't remember the name. Great. Uh, I'll leave all that in. And obviously. <laughs> hey Nick. Thanks, man. Nick. Bye. Bye. I'm off See lie down now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Bye.
0: This episode reaches one person who ends up loving Richard Dawson as much as me. Then I finally understand why we put ourselves through this. I don't think I'm prone to hyperbole, but I do think he's one of the finest artists working in the UK today. It just remains for me to thank our guests. Zoe von Hess provided the perfect curation for these two episodes, and if you enjoyed her work, go back and check our episodes on ESG and The Fall, to which she also contributed. We also had Nick Taylor for the discussion. Nick can usually be heard on the highly enjoyable my Teenage Band podcast, where he talks to guests about the experience of being in a band before you've even achieved adulthood. You'll find that at myteenageband.com and all the other places you get podcasts. Thank you, Nick and Zoe. Thanks also to my loquacious co host Ewan for keeping us on track, getting excited about Daniel Kitson, and editing together the resulting mess. And thank you to Jonathan Fisher for our theme music. That was Richard Dawson. Who should we listen to next? We're always happy to discuss it with our listeners. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, and where the whole folly started, over on the perennially awful Facebook. If you enjoy listening to the show, there are a number of ways you can support us. Reviews are worth gold for some reason, and even just telling other people about the show has immeasurable worth to us. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash tempfans, if paying for shit is your bag. Thank you for listening. I'm Nick Hilditch, and how little we are clung to the river's edge. Come hell or high water, how little we are.